Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the authorities, Jesus came and, and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that so that you may, may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the risen Christ, amen. Today is the Sunday after Easter, which means a few things. One, it was easier to park at church today than it was last week. Two, I see that many of you are back in your regular pews because there's no large crowd to navigate. Three, many of us are still a little loopy from Holy Week, a condition I sometimes refer to as spiritually hungover. Perhaps you suffer from it as well. And four, we get to hear about the disciple Thomas and his insistence on having a personal experience with Jesus in order to believe in the resurrection. Now, we always get Thomas on the Sunday after Easter, and while I love having the opportunity to talk about Thomas and his honesty and his ability to show us the value of doubting and questioning, I'm going to shift the focus today a bit, because I can't stop thinking about how these readings, all of which illustrate the seeds and beginnings of Christian community, tell us something about the essential nature of community in our lives. The collect celebrates the fellowship of Christ's body, us. 
The book of Acts describes the blessed early community of Christians. The psalm speaks to the pleasure and goodness of unity, and I would commend that to you for a reread. It's a beautiful poem. First, John speaks to the joy of spreading the good news among gathered people, and it speaks to the light that we walk in when we are together. In the gospel, Jesus returns to his friends, his most intimate community, and when they are shocked and confused about the fact that they thought he was dead, and now he's standing there in front of them, he said to them, peace be with you. Words of both comfort and forgiveness. Forgiveness because in his greatest hour of suffering, most of them deserted him. Comfort and forgiveness, I think, are two of the great graces of community. In light of all of this, I keep thinking of an Einstein quote, which paraphrased goes something like this. From the standpoint of daily life, There is one thing that we do know, that we are here for the sake of one another above all else. A loving God created us, and a loving God came to us in the form of Jesus to be in community with us. And a loving God gave us to each other to love one another and serve one another and enrich one another's lives. Now, Holy Week and Easter come to us through the stories of our Christian faith. And so last year on this Sunday, I told you a bunch of stories. Bear with me while I do so again. Here are three stories, this time stories of community. Story number one. We have a raccoon living in our backyard. He is out all day long in the bright sunshine, and he appears to be completely fearless. So, of course, we believe him to be rabid. And you may remember from a sermon a few weeks back that I am actually very afraid of raccoons, especially rabid ones. So we called the police, who tried not to laugh at us, and told us to look online for some ideas on how to get rid of unwelcome raccoons. Since we live rather close to our neighbors, five households have gotten involved in observing the raccoon and warning one another when it is around. We all bang on things to try to scare it away. We share recipes for homemade raccoon repellent. And we take turns being outside with the children when the raccoon is napping on the porch above where the children play. The power of community is, I realize, stronger than the power of a potentially harmful furry intruder. It is even more powerful than my fear of raccoons, and I am grateful to not be in this alone. My second story is much more serious, and if you've seen the news at all, you already know it. Another black man lost his life last week in an act of racism and misuse of armed power. I don't think this has become a more common occurrence as much as it has become a more commonly reported occurrence and perhaps, more significantly, a more commonly recorded occurrence. 
I used to think that having technology in our pocket all the time compromised our sense of community. In this case, I see that we as a community have started to use that technology to watch out for one another and to equip ourselves by recording awful events. And then we speak up against the violence that we have caught on our handheld devices. Our mobile phones have become an unexpected tool of fulfilling Christ's call to watch out for one another in community with an awareness of each one's value, humanity, and belovedness. And the other part of that is that that has enabled us to hold one another more accountable, another very important aspect of community. One last story. Seven years ago, a friend of my husband's found out that his daughter, Meredith, had brain cancer. She was 32 years old at the time and had two very young children. She was no longer able to work, and eventually she was no longer able to physically take care of her children. Her husband continued to work full-time and take care of the kids and take care of her. The community launched an online fundraising campaign to raise money to cover medical costs and child care. I don't remember how much they raised, but I know it was a lot. They thought Meredith would live for about a year, and she lived seven years instead. During those years, she had the gift of time with her children as she watched them grow, and they had the gift of time with her. And the community continued to lend a hand. She died a week ago on Easter Day, moving from one beloved community to an exponentially more amazing one. As she entered the kingdom that Jesus told us was there for us, where he would be waiting to be reunited with each of us. My husband spent Friday in Vermont at Meredith's funeral And when he returned, he spoke of the beauty and love that defined that assembled community. Christ came and he built community, meeting each person where they were and inviting them into love, into compassion, into service with one another and with himself. As far as we've been told, he never did minister in isolation. Always he did so in community, surrounded by friends, by the kind of intimate relationships that take work and that feed us deeply. He entered communities that were foreign to him, and he communed with the people and healed them. After he died, he came back to bring his peace, his blessing, his commission for service, and his self to his circle of friends. And by extension, he brought those things to us. I think he calls us to show up for our neighbors in celebration, in prayer, in visiting those who live alone, and in defending one another from loneliness or raccoons. I think he calls us to hold one another accountable using whatever tools we've got, and to work towards full, humane treatment for every single person. 
I think he calls us to stand up and offer up whatever we've got. When any one of us is hurting or sick or dying or grieving. From the standpoint of daily life, there is one thing that we do know. One thing that Jesus kept teaching us. That we are here for the sake of one another above all else. Throughout this Easter season, our readings will point to this as we hear of the birth of the church in our post-resurrection world. And we will be reminded again and again to build community and to heal the world by entering into the world in love and alongside one another. Amen.